few minutes this morning on a subject that I've entitled The Tale of Seeds, Weeds, and Fruitful Deeds. The Tale of Seeds, Weeds, and Fruitful Deeds. Tonight, at 6 o'clock, Richard Hanshue is going to be preaching to us. Come and hear the word of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Matthew chapter 13, we're going to begin in verse 24. As soon as you get there, look at me. And if you're waiting on the screen, it's already there. Thank you, worship team. Appreciate you all so very much. Okay. Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 24. We're going to read all the way through verse 30. It says, Jesus told them another parable. Keep in mind, this is hot on the heels of of the parable of the sower, okay? So he's in a major planting, harvesting theme kind of groove here, Jesus was. And right on uh, after the explanation to the disciples concerning the parable of the sower, Jesus does this. He says, he told them another parable, and Jesus begins to speak, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The service asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling up the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first, collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the weed and bring it into my barn. A tale of seeds, weeds, and fruitful deeds. Thing about the parables concerning the kingdom of God that we need to recognize is that if Jesus says something about the kingdom of God is like fill in the blank here. And then he turns around and he says, the the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is like fill in the blank here. And the two have nothing to do with each other. They have nothing apparently to do with each other. Or they're very similar either way. That it's still Jesus Christ likening the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven to a thing. And all those things add up to be, this is what the kingdom of God is like. Okay? One is not separate from the other. They can all be seen and grouped together and we get a broad understanding of the kingdom of God. In this case, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed. And look at the notice that in this verse, the verse is very explicit. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed. It didn't say the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed seed. It said good seed, which means this man 
obtained and subsequently distributed one kind of seed. It was good. Okay? And that's what happened. He, he sowed the seed. And then the scriptures in verse 27 or 25 says, But while everyone was sleeping. Now, typically, when we discuss sleep in the kingdom of God, as often as not, sleep gets a bad rap. We think of the word sluggard. That's a popular King James Version word when it comes to the concept of sleeping. What do you do? We think of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he says, Could you not tarry with me just one hour? But what the problem was is the boys were asleep. Now, what's interesting about this word in the Greek, sleeping, is that this word does not give a bad connotation at all. In fact, the word sleeping here means to lie down, to rest. So here in this context, the sleep wasn't something that was happening that's going to get a bad rap or a negative, given a negative connotation. Rather, in this case, sleeping was for resting. Nothing bad is happening here until, until. His enemy, in verse 25, came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So here we have something that we can look at in verses 24 in the first part of 25 as a ritual or a routine that's only got positive things going on about it. Okay? Only positives. Until this enemy character shows up and does what he does. Now... What's fascinating about this is Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like, and he lays out this concept of a man sowing only good seed, but an enemy accesses the field in which he's sown. Hmm. Does that make anybody think at all? Does that make anybody go, uh, mm, uh, hmm, wait just a minute. What, what, how is that even allowed? Because Jesus just said the kingdom of heaven is like, but an enemy came in after the good seed was sown. Well, let's get there. You want to go there? Let's go there. John chapter 1 and verse 3 says something that is very, very important. I Always say this verse in your hearing, but I always slaughter it. I just kill it. So this morning, I opted to actually write it in and let you hear it for real. John chapter 1 and verse 3 says, Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. Now, I want you to sit on that verse for just a second. And we're going to go into awkward silence mode in the church. And I want you to ponder the truth behind that verse. Look at it. Read it. Through him all, th- all, all, all 
What is Pastor Gary's definition of the word all? All. (laughs) Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. So that verse tells us that the sole and exclusive responsibility for all of creation, everything in it, was Him. And if He didn't make it, it's not in there. Right? Did you know that this Him, that Him right there, Did you know he has a couple of qualities? One is known as omniscience. Now I want you to keep this in the same file you have John 1-3. I want you to keep all this together. He has this quality known as omniscience. Omniscience is, in our vernacular, simply means he's all-knowing. In the same way that All things were made by Him. All things are known by Him. Okay? Oh, and by the way, in case we fail to make this clear, He also has this other quality, and it's known as omnipresence. Again, in layman's terms, all that means is He's everywhere all the time. Which, by the way, all-knowing, I think we can wrap our head around the concept of all-knowing, but being everywhere all the time, I'm sorry, I short-circuit there. I cannot possibly grasp the concept of Him being omnipresent. He is everywhere all the time. So, He created everything, and He owns the exclusive rights to all things created, He knows all things. There is nothing He does not know. And He is everywhere all the time. Remember, we're talking about the kingdom here. And as you have already learned, wherever He is, His kingdom is. Autobasalia. Self-kingdom. He is the kingdom itself. And so we're talking about an individual who has acquired and subsequently distributed only good seed. Seed that He created. Seed that He knows everything about. Seed where He distributes He is there. And by virtue of the fact that He is accompanying His seed, His kingdom resides where He has sown. Okay? Okay. And yet, we have this problem. How is it that this God has allowed an enemy into His field to sow weeds, bad seed, 
How is that even comprehensible? How can that even happen? It is beyond us to get the concept that that God had an enemy slip in while everyone was getting some rest. Well, I have a news flash for you, and it's going to mess you up for just about that long. Are you ready? Here we go. Hell operates inside the borders of the kingdom. Did you hear me? I'm going to say it again. Hell operates inside the borders of the kingdom. Now, how many of you are thinking to yourselves right now, you better fix this or I'm finding a new church. (laughs) He has flat gone off his rocker. We're going to have to have ourselves an eldership meeting. (laughs) Commentaries by Kim Gordon can be picked up at the visitor centers. (laughs) Now, I'm going to say that statement one last time, only this time I'm going to change it just enough. Okay? Okay? Hell is forced to operate inside the borders of the kingdom of God. What happened? John 1, 3. Any moment. Aha! That hymn right there who's responsible for all of creation. And if he didn't create it, it wasn't created. That him right there, who knows all, nothing escapes his purview. That him, who is everywhere all the time. That him, that him, who is the kingdom itself. Where He is, His kingdom is, and there are no borders outside of which can be operated in. It should be a comfort to you that hell is forced to operate inside the borders of the kingdom of Almighty God. Why? Very simply, nothing escapes His purview. Yeah, you should applaud Him. Now listen to this. Look at verse 27. The owner's servants came to Him. They have the same question that we had about, oh, I don't know, five minutes ago. Now remember who these servants are. These are the angels of the Lord. Why do we know that? Simple. All you have to do is jump over to verse 38. Or is it 39? Nope, 41. My bad. The Son of Man will send out His angels. Okay. The owner's servants came to Him and said, and I love love this. 
I want to see if anybody in the house can identify with the angels of the Lord, the servants of God, in faux-accusing God of not knowing what in heaven's name he's doing. Listen to what they say. Uh, sir? I'm just asking. It's on, it's on my mind. It's, it's on all their minds, although they're cowards and they're not going to come and ask you. They said, let's get Mikey. I showed up. So, just one question. Um, didn't you sow um, good seed in your field? That, that's kind of one of those, yeah. Did, did you sow good seed? You did. Okay, then where, 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 where then did the weeds come from? Because the reality here is that these servants are thinking to themselves, good seed equals great crop. But what we have is the master said he, bought, he got good seed, but we've got as many weeds as we have good fruit coming up. So this isn't adding up. Who here has lived that? So, so, you did get good seed. Okay, well, well, what, what's going on here? Now, verse 27, or 28, this is what the master says. He says this. He says, he did, well, he says, an enemy did this. An enemy did this. Now, I have always read that verse in a, such a way that would suggest that what you have is the TV and movie version of the reaction where he says, an enemy did this. And as soon as he gets done saying it, you hear, dun, dun, dun. That's how I have always read this verse. An enemy did this. Dun, dun, dun. But in reality, that's not what happened at all. Why? Because John 1, 3 says... Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. He is solely responsible for all of creation. And he's omniscient. He knows everything. And he's omnipresent. He's everywhere all the time. And he is the kingdom of God. So he didn't say, he didn't react. Verse 28 is the only way I know how to even describe this is, is 
this is a teachable moment that this, the, the owner uses to show his servants what's actually going on here. You have to remember that this is an omniscient God whose kingdom is everywhere. He is with servants who are neither omniscient nor omnipresent, who don't know all things and who aren't everywhere all the time. They didn't understand how an enemy got into the kingdom of God either. But he did. And so now we have to understand something. Okay, so the servants didn't understand it. We, earlier in this message, didn't understand it. So now we've got to figure out why does he understand it and subsequently allowed it? Well, that's not hard to figure out at all. That can be traced back to the beginning. That can be traced back to the beginning. It's interesting how Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15 explains it all. What's happened in Genesis before this? Well, we've had a whole lot of creating going on. We've had a whole lot of creation happening. And then we have the fall of man. And this is what Genesis 3 and 15, if you're a notes, if you're a note taker, write this word down. Just sound it out phonetically if you can't, if you've never seen this word in print. Genesis 3 and 15 is what's known in theological circles as the Proto-Evangelium. I've used that word around here on a few occasions. The Proto-Evangelium, meaning that it is the first Proto-Evangelium, evangelistic message preaching the gospel before it ever happens. Okay? And this is what he says in the 15th verse of the third chapter of Genesis, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. You see, at this stage in the game, when the proto-evangelium rolls around, the sin has already happened. This isn't a prophetic statement. This is an after-the-fact statement. This has already happened. The woman has eaten. The husband has eaten. Then, and now it's just time to have the high-level confab about sin and death. It's already occurred, and the Lord establishes this is what's going to happen in the future. He's going to crush your head. You're going to bruise his heel, but he's going to crush your head. How, how, how in chapter 13 of Matthew did the enemy get into the kingdom of heaven? Well, he did that back there. And God simply made provision for it right here. The deed was already done. Here we have a man sowing good seed. We found out last week the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. So he's sowing in good seed. And the enemy turns around and sends or, or sows in bad seed. And the servants want to rush right out and weed the garden. And the response by the owner of the field is, no, don't do that because as you're weeding, you might uproot the sons of the kingdom. In the process, let them gr listen. Listen to the words. Let them grow together. Let them grow together. Does it occur to anyone that quite possibly 
since God was in the business of sowing His sons so that His sons could sow their seed, the gospel, go ye into all the kingdom or all in the world, that the devil, the enemy, sowed similar seed that was bad but looked like the good. Does it sound that way? All you have to do is reference the wheat and the tares. Okay? To the kingdom, listen, to the kingdom of God, the difference between the good seed and the bad seed is easily recognizable. It's to us that we sometimes have a hard time discerning what is good seed and what is bad seed. Where we should be focusing our attention in God's kingdom, sometimes we're off on tangents and left fields. And we're paying attention to what appears to be the results of God's good seed when all along it's the enemy's bad seed. This is a cautionary tale, brothers and sisters, because listen to me again. The owner of the field said, don't disturb them. Don't root them up because in the process of pulling the weeds, you may uproot my seed. How close a relationship does the church of Jesus Christ have with the world? So close and so indiscernible that if the servants of God came here and uprooted the bad seed, some of us would die off. That puts us in a very precarious place. Why? Because those who would die, their eyes are not on Him. They're on the bad seed thinking it's good. We have relationships with bad seed. And I'm not talking about your kids at school having bad friendship. I'm talking about those who would mimic and impersonate the kingdom of God. Who are nothing more than death mongers and liars. God in His infinite, all-knowing, ever-present kingdom wisdom said, Let them grow together. How many of you know that the kingdom of darkness, under the veil of the kingdom of light, is growing has been growing. I am not one to stand here in front of you and begin pointing fingers and calling names. I'm just not that guy. There are those who are. God bless them. I'm not that guy. I am the guy who, like my master, is supposed to lead you to still waters and green pastures. With that said, this is a really good time to begin to pray for discernment. Yeah. Yeah. 
and being able to recognize what is light and dark when dark appears to be light. Because good, bad, or indifferent, we're living with the enemy's seed until a trumpet sounds. It is what it is. And I'm not one to cast aspersions based on rumor. That's why I'm not going there this morning. But in fact, this is our our, our circumstances. Now, let's encourage you this morning. Now that I just barked, now it's time to roll over on my back and let my belly get scratched. Remember what I said early on about the parables all interacting? And just because he says one thing over here doesn't cancel out this over here. They all are the same kingdom. Remember that? Let's look at Matthew chapter 13, verse 8. Still other seed, this is the parable of the sower, fell on good soil. Now look at the production value here. This is sweet. Where it produced a crop, a hundred... 60 or 30 times what was sown. I'm sorry. I'll take those numbers any day. Right? Well, here's the encouragement. That crop, those statistics are coming in while you and I, the sons of the kingdom are living side by side with the enemy's seed. Those numbers are, are applicable despite the presence of the enemy. How many will take those numbers? Preach that all day long. So, how are we doing? I'm not asking you how you're doing right now. I'm asking you about 30, 60, or 100. How are we doing? You know, that 30, 60, 100, that, 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 that's you and me. Aren't, aren't we sons of the kingdom? Haven't we been sown into the field? And haven't we sown into the field? And all by itself, last week, the ground brings forth while we're asleep or whether we get up. Mark 4. And it's doing it by itself. The question is, is are we sowing? Because if we'll just sow... We don't care about the weeds. Look at me, everybody. Your job is to disperse and dispense the Word of God. Stop worrying about the bad seed. With numbers like 30, 60, and 100 times what was sown, what do we have to worry about bad seed for? When he has it all well in hand and a plan to dispose of them in his time. 
No. The, the Bible says no. Modern vernacular in verse 29 is no. Nah. He answered, because while you're pulling up the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. How, how many of us know when the harvest is? It's when he says so. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds. Tie them up in bundles. Burn them. Then gather the wheat and bring them into my barn. We have no business worrying about the kingdom of darkness. We have no business worrying about the kingdom of darkness at all. Because we have dominion over the kingdom of darkness. If we've got to interact with the kingdom of darkness, we do it with a little class, and that class is called Jesus Christ. Okay? Um, What we do need to concern ourselves with is since all power has been given unto him in heaven and on earth, we are to go preach the gospel. In the same way we don't worry about the kingdom of darkness, we don't preach something other than the gospel. You see, let the Spirit of Almighty God change the hearts and lives of people. You tell them the good news and stop telling them, you're going to hell! Tell them there's a Jesus and He came and died on a cross for the express purpose of saving you from your sin. And give them the gospel. Philippians, I'm closing right now. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. Remember. Remember. 30, 60, 100 fold. Listen to this. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, listen, look at the word, will Not might, not may, not it's possible, Uh, it's worth considering, will carry it on to, look at the word, completion until the day of Jesus Christ. I'm sorry, bad seed doesn't matter. The bad seed doesn't matter at all. We don't care about no bad seed. We got the good seed. And the good seed is going to do what it's going to do. Remember last week, what it's going to do, whether we're asleep or whether we're awake, the ground is going to bring it up all by itself. And our return, if we're obedient to God in in scattering our seed, sowing the seed of the gospel, 30, 60, even 100-fold. Stand with me this morning.